Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing The Beyond from 1981. This is an Italian film directed by Lucio Fulci, starring Catriona McCall, Cinzia Monrale, and David Warbeck. Uh, I chose this because I've seen it on quite a few top 100 lists, and Lucio Fulci is kind of considered one of the best Italian horror directors, if not the best, and I've seen one other of his movies and have been wanting to check this out for a while. I think, Ashwin, that lately I've been wanting to like make sure we go through the catalogs of some of the most noted horror directors. Sure. Go back to the roots. Yeah. Yeah. Doing yeah, because we got some pretty big holes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd never heard of this guy or, or this movie, but um, he's pretty, he's pretty famous guy or pretty influential. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, he's kind of called like the godfather of gore or the spaghetti <laughs> splatter king is another nickname. Yeah. I think, I don't know how many people, I'm sure he's been pretty influential but uh, mm-hmm. Dario Argento and Mario Bava are the two other Italian horror directors that their names get kicked around mm-hmm. a lot as well. Yeah, and Dario Argento is the guy who did Suspiria that just had the remake, right? Yes, yep. And is he still involved with it, or is that uh, someone else now? He is no longer alive, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Yep. So I'm not sure what kind of involvement, like his estate or his I know he's got a daughter named Asia Argento I don't know if she's involved at all but um, oh I didn't know that was her daughter or his daughter yeah um yeah Lucio kind of sounds like the poor man's Dario Argento is that is that a fair description you know I don't know enough about Italian horror to say yes or no but I my gut reaction is no (laughs) like I think maybe Dario's films may be a little bit more lofty or aspirational, mm-hmm. and Lucio's are maybe a bit more schlocky, but I really am kind of talking out my ass because I've only seen two Fulci's and maybe three of Argento's. Wow, that's that's a lot more than I've seen. I've only seen one uh, Fulci, this, this one, I haven't seen any of the Argento ones. But in in reading about them, it sounded like Argento just had more of a critical success internationally, and this guy didn't really get famous until maybe after he died and Quentin Tarantino kind of rediscovered him. Oh, yeah, that could be true. Yeah, Tarantino was a big fan and, like, redistributed a lot of his stuff, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you have seen at least one movie by Mario Bava, who was, uh, I think, ahead of either of them as far as time periods go. He was bit earlier in like the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and which, uh, which he film? did black sabbath oh with the the, uh, the compilation yeah the anthology yeah interesting yeah yeah I, I didn't know the italians had such a big uh thumbprint on the horror movie genre yeah they really do um and they have a genre all their own called giallo have you ever heard that no g-i-a-l-l-o no i haven't heard of that it's yeah, like, it's kind of like 
mystery killer type stuff. It's like the precursor to slashers. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So does so a lot Suspiria of that is... is like kind of one, mm-hmm. but I don't think Suspiria is necessarily considered one. Do you feel like a lot of that inspired the slasher genre in the U.S. then? That's what I've read, and they do have a similar feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. well, anyway, bef- before we go any further, I'm going to let the listeners know this movie is about a young woman who inherits, inherits an old hotel in Louisiana where, following a series of supernatural accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances to hell. And Ash, I think we've kind of kicked around that idea of like this gateway to hell subgenre, right? Yeah, I feel that, that's a common one. Um, what like like Poltergeist had it? Uh, a few other movies had the Void, theme. which we did an episode on. Right? Yeah, I forgot about that one. You're right. Hellraiser. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that that's a common idea that there's like a, a gateway somewhere that you can just drop into hell from. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> And apparently this is a part of a trilogy, like a Gateway to Hell trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, oh shoot, I've lost the uh, the list of the other ones. Oh, I City like, of the so, Living Dead mm-hmm. from 1980 and The House by the Cemetery from 1981 right. are the other two. And, and this was like actually part two, is that right? So yeah, I think this was the second one. Okay. After yeah. like a yeah, city. definitely the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, city of the you, Living Dead, then this one, then House by the Cemetery. Yeah, have you seen any of the other two? I have not. No, so that's on the list. Yeah, but but this one seems to have like the biggest um, critical acclaim or legacy out of like all the, out of that that whole series. Correct. Yeah, and then I think followed by House by the Cemetery. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what makes this one so different. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, I think uh, one day one day we'll know as we start <laughs> checking more of these off the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Going back and doing more of that homework. Um, if you'll remember, we mentioned Dario Argento in our Dawn of the Deb- Dead episode because he got the rights to distribute that movie in Italy. Mm-hmm. So when he released it in Italy, he named it Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I. Oh, okay, yeah. And then... The uh, a Lucio Fulci movie called Zombie in the U.S. was released as Zombie 2 as mm. a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Wow. Isn't that weird? In Italy, the copyright law allows any film to be marketed as a sequel to another one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so anyone can come along and just create their own version of a movie and just put the number two at the end? Yeah, like That's you and me could make Hereditary 2. Oh, man. Why aren't we doing that right now? <laughs> so many Let's ideas. Move to Italy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, you know, and in reading about this guy, uh, there, there's some other things about like things you can get away with in Italy. Like a lot of filmmakers after um, uh, after after uh, Fulci were kind of using his name and putting it on movies that he wasn't even involved in. So it seems like it's pretty loose copyright issues over there. Like you can do what you want in terms of how you name things or how you, how you credit them. Things seem pretty loosey-goosey over there in general. (laughs) Yeah. In Italy. (laughs) Yeah. I think you might be right. And from what I've read and what I've seen, and I think you can see it a little bit in this movie, Italian horror is kind of loosey-goosey with, like, 
the plot and the narrative structure and like the overall coherence yeah of the film mm-hmm. like it tends to lean heavier on style right um this movie actually didn't do a, a bad job of it compared to some other italian horror i've seen but mm-hmm. it can be just a little bit of a eh, whatever like <laughs> things don't need to make sense I definitely got that vibe watching this, like story and coherence of it wasn't like too uh, top of mind for anyone. And it was more about the style, stylisticness of it or um, like the individual shots and, and the overall uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, one giant mistake in it that I think kind of calls that out is that there's a scene where a, oh, not an undertaker, the coroner is looking at a dead body that's in the plot 60 years old it's from like 1927 Uh, and the movie takes place in the 80s Mm -hmm. and he goes hey he doesn't look bad for being six years old and he meant 60 (laughs) oh like that's a giant mistake to just leave in a movie he said 16 and and it was actually supposed to be 60 he said six oh he said six oh wow (laughs) wow someone didn't proofread that dialogue really well yeah so i kind of get the vibe that like they can't be troubled over there with things like that. Like <laughs> like math. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like about the Italians. They're not, they're not, you know, number of people. They're not focused on the, the details. Yeah. They're yeah. all about the, the feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was this movie originally in English? I, I couldn't tell if it was like dubbed or if it was originally like done in English. I think it was originally dubbed or done in English, but like the dubbing was bad. Like when they put the sound mm-hmm. to the film, it was not in sync very well. Yeah, especially like with some characters, like the it didn't line up at all. And I kind of thought for a while it was Italian, but then uh, the actors and actresses mostly are like English or American or one guy's from New Zealand. So yeah, you're probably yeah, right. Yeah, and like you can tell by their mouth that they are speaking English, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's like a delayed English. Yeah. Um, did you notice? So there's, I can think of like 11 characters in this movie. Wow. That, that like actually had names. Yeah. And I think nine of them got their faces either pretty much destroyed or like taken apart in some way. Yeah. Yeah. That seemed to be the, the MO here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, and then I think part of his style too, the, the director here has been around like eye stuff. And um, I, I guess that's something he does in a lot of movies. Like, an eye, eye will like pop out or get like pulled out of someone's head. And I, I think we, we saw some of that with some of the characters in this one as well. Yes. Yep. Big time. And the only other movie I've seen by him, Zombie, has a pretty infamous eye trauma scene. Which one did you see? Zombie 2? Yeah. So it's called Zombie, like if you try to find it in the US. But yeah, it was released in Italy as Zombie 2. Oh, okay. And so then is it also consistent with zombie one in italy no like consistent plot wise yeah no because zombie one in italy is just dawn Dawn of the the dead Dead. re-edited okay so in italy zombie part one is the is dawn of the dead um in the u.s there's a movie called zombie and that there's an italian version of that now but that's called zombie two yes and okay interesting yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else is uh, notable about this movie. I I just think like the director has uh, such an interesting story. Like I, I guess his wife killed herself um, in a gas oven, 
And oh my. Yeah, and then um, he sounds like you know towards the end of his life he had a lot of like health issues, and then I think he was kind of. It sounds like he he got broke at the end of his life. He didn't have any money or anything left, uh, and then he kind of passed away in his sleep. But and and he he has this daughter that he's mentioned in interviews, but like that no one's ever met or heard of really, except for like what he says that like and and she died apparently too in some kind of accident. But it sounds like you know no one's ever really met her and or knows anything about her. Just Whoa! Really interesting character. Yeah, I read that there's um there's a symbol in this movie that's kind of like meant to symbolize kind of the gateway to hell or this mm-hmm. specific book that's in the movie. Yeah, and he said he got the symbol idea based on the shape of a tattoo that his daughter had. Oh, interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally forgot about that shape because <laughs> that's also like one of those details that feel like they're you know just kind of thrown in randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's it, it doesn't have that much significance. It's just like there yeah. it is. Yeah. So apparently, while they were filming, he just had like a th- three-page outline of the script oh. rather than like a full script. So was it was it like almost like improv then? It sounds kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't know to what degree it stuck to the actual script. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really surprised. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the, I mean, surprising he put so much or so little effort into the script because it, it was really interesting to read about how much effort went into the practical effects, like how many days some of those took to, to make. And they, they went like pretty all out in terms of like, you know, building like fake body parts and they going like do all these uh, steps to make these like practical effects. Uh, I mean, that, that, that part was really interesting to read about. Yeah. Like days just to shoot like one death scene. Right. That's, That's like five minutes of screen time, if that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know that. That's kind of a lost art. You don't, you don't see that happening too often now. That now that everything's like CGI. Yeah, the practical effects in this movie—they were really good. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big part of the appeal of this movie. Yeah, they're really good, but also kind of giving the impression that he's never like seen anyone uh, die or like <laughs> seen anyone's face get melted or something. Uh, he I, was a medical student. Oh. That, that's even more surprising because <laughs> you don't feel like it was just like way over the top and like totally unrealistic. It is way over the top. Yeah. Yeah. It was. <laughs> hey, I feel like in the last uh, few, like with October and in our Halloween series, we have been like hitting the gore channel a little bit more like with Terrifier and um, there were a few other ones that I feel like had some gross scenes going on there. I, well, I guess, you know, Malevolent and... Uh, Apostle had some gory aspects to it, but would you say like all of these are kind of like influenced by like the work that he did? You know, I guess I couldn't say that, but this is definitely got to be an influence for, for other people in the horror community. But mm-hmm. like Tom Savini was, he was doing stuff at the same time too. I think oh, yeah. he right. was a huge influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know who Tom Savini's influences were, so. Yeah, no, you're right. I guess that was all kind of around the same time, like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Um, did you notice there is a character in this movie named Joe the Plumber? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> could you, could you not help but think of the John McCain, Joe the Plumber from the 2008 oh, election? I didn't even connect those. I mean, it just sounded like so familiar and natural. That, uh, yeah, I didn't think about, like, where I might have heard that from. Uh, yeah, that was, like, McCain's, like, yeah. stand-in for the entire middle class was this real-life guy named Joe the Plumber. <laughs> yeah, and it was based on the guy from the beyond. 
Yeah. <laughs> Funny, that's who McCain was referring to the whole time. <laughs> like, meanwhile, the middle class is getting their eye gouged out in <laughs> <Yeah>. hotel basements. <laughs> exactly. We can't stand for this. <laughs> uh Joe, the real Joe the Plumber is from Toledo, Ohio, and first made appearances on the campaign trail with McCain in Northeast Ohio in Sandusky, Illyria, and Mentor. Oh my god. The real Joe the Plumber is from Ohio? Yeah. That's wild. I Which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just always assumed it was a fictional character that McCain was just kind of throwing a name out there, uh, like your average Joe, right? But it's actually a guy named uh, Joe the Plumber. Yeah, I think he asked a question to Obama during a a rally and um, on the campaign trail, and I think Obama's answer kind of got picked up by conservatives as a you know An this is a bad answer, like a wealth redistribution type thing, and oh. so this guy Joe the Plumber kind of made a name for himself that way. Yeah, wow. I wonder how he's doing now. Uh, he got involved in politics. It looked like wow. He's not, he's not Joe the Plumber. I wonder if that was part of his campaign, Joe the Plumber. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look that up. That, that, that's a good connection there. Very very Plums relevant and timely. Swamp. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Wait, did you make a swamp joke? I said plunge the swamp. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, that's a good campaign. <laughs> uh, let's see, man. Anything else that you want to sneak in here, uh, background on this movie before we get into it? Uh, no, I, you know, I, I don't recognize any of the actors or anything. Um, did, are they, are they, it sounds like they're mostly from the horror genre or, or something, but I don't know if you recognize anyone. Yeah, I didn't really recognize anybody. Some have been in other horror movies and other ones by Fulci, I think, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're Italian or New Zealandish or English. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I feel like the reviews of this one are kind of mixed. Like some people say it's this great movie that's uh you know helped spread the genre but then uh, i feel like roger and ebert kind of slammed it uh i don't know yeah ebert included this in a book of his most hated movies apparently yeah <laughs> this, is pretty you dividing know, this is an interesting movie in that like i can't blame anybody for hating it and i can't blame anybody for loving it i know i know i kind of see both ends of it for sure but it's definitely a di- like a movie that kind of divides audiences yeah dude in 2016, Rolling Stone put this as the 11th best horror film score of all time. Yeah, I know. I was, I was reading about the, the score. I, it was a really surprising score. Uh, did, did, did it, like, jump out to you at all? Yeah, like, that jazzy electric bass really jumped out at me. Yeah, it seems so out of place. <laughs> it did. Yeah. I was surprised to see that it was, like, a respected score. Like, I it know. wasn't bad, but it was just, it was... Yep. It didn't match the movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. It was it was kind of like almost like prog rock or some blues or, or uh, kind of jazzy, I guess. It, it reminded me a lot of um, that John Carpenter film that we saw. Um, they they live or sorry, what, what was that movie? Yeah, they live. They live, right? Yeah, I remember how it had that kind of like slow, sluggish kind of like uh, guitar bass driven uh, song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind yeah, of it's always interesting when horror scores are more like guitar or bass driven. I feel like it's either like horns, strings, or a synth. Yeah, yeah, usually. It, and then and the way they use this one was like on scenes that like went on for a while. And so you just kind of have like this groove going on and, and some like uh, long uh, torture scene happening. Yeah, they tended to use it when they were doing like a 
for like five full minutes they would show like yeah. different angles of like someone's death and the gore that was happening and yeah. then they would just have this like jazzy <laughs> yeah. bass playing slow, slow like elevator jazz music in the back <laughs> yeah just like groove on this while you watch this guy's face <laughs> yeah fall exactly apart. yeah it's very interesting uh, uh it's a confusing feel there yeah uh okay man well right. should we move on to the plot yeah let's get to it all right uh, I'll be right back, though. I got to go down the road, hop in the car. I got to run a quick errand. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. Sorry that that took so long. Yeah, where'd you go? Well, so I was just driving down to the uh, the drugstore, and I was driving down the road, and there was just a woman and her dog standing right in the middle of the road, staring at me. Oh, wow. Did, yeah. Did, did they know your name or anything? Yeah, it turned out it was just a, a new neighbor who'd been meaning to introduce herself. <laughs> did she uh, take you back to her place and uh, give you like a piano recital? <laughs> exactly, as <laughs> as they do. Yeah, that's that's the customary way to introduce yourself to new neighbors. It's always interesting to me in movies when like something totally bonkers happens to a character, and they're then they there's just like no narrative time in the movie to address it. Like, yeah, I know. She she never mentioned to her like friend John like by the way this woman like was just standing in the street. Yeah, <laughs> like this country highway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and she knew my name, and she took me back to her place, and she like gave me all these warnings, and then she played it. She played on the piano for me. <laughs> you think that would have made an impression? Yeah, standard stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I think that's another example of like they really wanted the style of that. It's a great shot, like a first person point of view from the driver of the car. Like yeah zooming in like as she drives closer to this blind woman standing in the road but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah narrative wise yeah makes yeah. No sense. I know. yeah and, and i you know I, I watched the trailer and that's kind of uh the, what they have in the trailer is that scene but it, you're right it's just like an oddball scene that doesn't really fit with anything else yeah it's actually like a gif that's available on like twitter so oh. i put it put oh, it in a, one of our posts nice that's a cool one yeah Alrighty here well I'm going to try to give a decent amount of detail, but not too much. So we start off in Louisiana in 1927. There are these men on boats with torches, presumably coming towards this hotel. So then we see shots of this dude, presumably in the hotel, painting this like bleak, otherworldly desert landscape with like dead bodies in the sand in this like blue-gray desert. We're cutting between him and shots of this blind woman in her house holding this creepy book called the Ebon, E-I-B-O-N. And eventually these dudes break into the painter's room in the hotel and whip him across the face with this chain. They call him a warlock. They accuse him of cursing the hotel and opening a gateway to hell, I think. And then they take him to the basement of this hotel and like crucify him on the wall in an incredibly gory scene and then throw what seems like acid or boiling water on him something yeah acid? something else like yeah. melting his face off and then we just like watch his body sizzle for like five solid minutes while we listen to some jazz yeah <laughs> jazzy electric bass 
Yeah, I, th- I think like right off the opening, you kind of know this is going to be a pretty gory movie, just based on like that one scene. Yeah, yeah, like they take a lot of time with that gore. Yeah. Um. So then we jump forward in time. Now we're in Louisiana in 1981, about 54 years later-ish. Uh, Liza has just inherited this hotel from some relatives, and she's trying to get it up and running. Liza's going to be our main character. And so there's this dude who's painting the outside or washing the windows or something. Everyone's She's got crews working at this hotel. And he sees through the window this blind lady from the beginning and, like, freaks out and falls. And... It was right around here that you start to notice that the acting is kind of bad and that the <laughs> editing in this movie is a bit choppy. Yeah, and this is like 10 minutes in. <laughs> you start to yeah, so you kind of like, yeah. you have a kind of like come to Jesus moment with the movie already. We're like, okay, like, okay. this is what I'm in for. <laughs> I'm not watching this for the acting, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. It almost feels like it's made like 10 years old, like previous to 1981 like <laughs> yeah it felt like a late 60s movie yeah the editing's like that bad and at this point you're also seeing like how the dubbing doesn't really line up that well yeah it almost felt like the type of movie like the love which was spoofing oh yeah right with that like presentational style of acting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure okay so that's one bad thing that happens at the hotel um, Liza's also got these two people who help her at the hotel, Martha and Arthur, and they're just kind of weirdos. And she says she inherited them with the hotel. <laughs> it's something that seems kind of ominous and that never, never comes to anything. <laughs> yeah. They never talk about that, but it, it makes for like some funny interactions between her and, uh, and Arthur and, and, uh, Martha, just like some really random, like no reason why like they're interacting like that, but I don't know, just funny scenes. Yeah, at the end of it all, it just seems they're both very socially awkward. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only explanation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the basement of the hotel is flooded, and Martha and Arthur call Joe the plumber. So he's down in the basement, and he's near where this crucifixion happened. I think maybe you see that symbol we were talking about earlier on the wall, and a hand bursts from the wall and gouges his eyes out, which is extremely gory and I thought looked really good. In terms of special effects. It did. Is this the one where uh, it pushes his eyeball out? Yeah, and it just like kind of slides down the side of his cheek. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the effects are done pretty cool, but I, I don't know if that's how eyeballs work. Can you, can, is, is, that, is that how it would happen? I, I have no idea. All right, I'll have to try it at home. Yeah. <laughs> Call your local plumber. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Joe's dead. And then Martha is down there later, one of the people who works for Liza, and she discovers Joe's body, and he's got, like, all sorts of gory liquid spilling out of his mouth for about five solid minutes of electric bass. <laughs> and then another body, like, floats up to the surface, too. Mm-hmm. So we cut away from that, and now we get to that scene we talked about where Liza's driving down the road, and there's that cool shot of this creepy woman standing in the middle of the road with a German shepherd and she is the woman from the very start of the movie who's pictured with uh, that book the Abon and she hasn't aged at all so something's up with this woman you can tell it's also the woman that the painter saw that made him freak out and fall off the ladder and um, so, in, in the beginning of the movie when when you see her I don't think it's clear that she's 
I, I don't know if she's blind in the beginning, is she? You know, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I want to say no because um, it's not just that like she's blind. I mean, th- this was a whole effect that they did where they, the eyes are all like whited out, and that, and that seems like yeah. kind of like a like a demonic thing uh, the way it's presented in the right. movie. Yeah, it's a bit more ominous than just a blind person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so apparently, those are contact lenses made of glass. Yeah, like painted. Yeah, I was reading that, and and like it, it, when the actress and actresses would wear them, they couldn't see anything. Apparently. Yeah, it sounded like really uncomfortable. That, that can't be good for your eyes, right? To be wearing, no, I'm putting sure. glass in there. Yeah, I'm sure that wouldn't even be allowed today. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of insurance claim on that. I think they use similar lenses for the Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead. Wow. Because I actually just listened to a podcast called The Blood Buddies, and they were talking about that. Oh, wow. So everyone... Yeah, that's that podcast that's uh, done by this dude that's also friends with Amy Arcos. Yeah. So everyone back in like the 70s and 80s were just popping uh, glasses into their eyes? Yeah, apparently. Man. That's awesome. All the rage. Yeah. But they protected you from eye gouging. Ah, that's good. (laughs) <laughs> that's actually a good point yeah yeah uh okay so this blind woman is named emily and she hangs out with liza and introduces herself as her neighbor and warns liza not to open the hotel and at some point i think she says something like we blind see things more clearly mm-hmm. and don't you think this is kind of a movie trope where like the blind person is always this like wise person who like seems to almost have like a sixth sense yeah for sure especially in these like uh, supernatural or, or demonic movies uh their, their yeah, lack of sight gives them the ability to sense those spirits better yeah we saw it in veronica oh yeah right yeah okay so liza's got a warning from emily to close the hotel then we see a scene where joseph Plummer's wife and daughter are at the morgue to id his body and next to his body is this other one that they found at the house that floated up out of the water that's 60 years old. That was a movie era where they said six years old. Yeah. And, th- and this is the writer, right? Or the, the painter, uh, Schweike or whatever, Schweike. Isn't that his Yeah, body? so th- this body is, yeah, the painter from the very beginning who they, those dudes on the boat came and crucified, who was painting that, like, bleak desert landscape. Mm-hmm. And there's, so for some reason, his wife... You don't really see what she sees, I don't think. She just, like, looks at that corpse and screams. Mm -hmm. And the daughter runs in there, and she's laying on the ground with this bottle of acid that's apparently been knocked over that's just dripping onto her face as her face face melts. Yeah. Yeah, someone in this this hospital, I guess, sorry, I couldn't tell if it was a hospital or morgue, like, just left, like, a bottle of acid on top of a cabinet (laughs) with, like, no lid. And then left a woman with all these dead bodies unattended. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, so the daughter runs in and screams, and then she's, the daughter sees this corpse coming back to life and screams. And then we cut away from that. You don't really know what happens at, to the daughter, but then later on you see her at the funeral for Joe the Plumber, and she now has these eyes like Emily's, these like glazed over whitish yellow eyes. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Emily tells Liza the story of the hotel and about that warlock painter who was murdered. Um, and then Emily, somehow that painting that he did resurfaces and Emily goes to touch it and her hands start bleeding. Mm-hmm. And she runs out of the hotel 
And then Liza has this scene where she closes her eyes and like is re like remembering what she just saw with Emily running out. <laughs> that part was so confusing to me. Like it just shows Emily running out of the hotel like three times. Yeah, like at least three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't know what they were trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia said they were trying to get across the point that her footsteps didn't make any sound. Yeah, when I read that, it was like, oh, okay. But yeah, when you watch it, it doesn't really make sense what they're trying to show. I thought they were trying to make it seem that she wasn't actually blind because she just sprinted oh, yeah. down these steps. <laughs> That's true, too. She knew where she was going. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't really make sense. I think she actually is blind. Okay, yep. Um. Anyway... So that's just an example of things in this movie where you don't really know what they're trying to tell you. So Liza, against Emily's warning, goes into room 36, which was this painter's, this warlock painter's room, and she finds the book, the Ebon, in there. Which, again, this book really, it's kind of a crux of the plot, but not really. Like, they never say what it does or why it's there, right? Yeah. Except that maybe it's a got some demonic type stuff in it. Yeah, otherwise it's just kind of this random prop that doesn't really have too yeah. much uh, significance. Yeah. Um, so Liza goes to investigate this room and she sees the painter crucified in the restroom. And she screams that, runs out of there and tells this dude, John, who at some point randomly popped up in the plot, who's her buddy. He's the doctor. About what she just saw. Yeah, and he's a doctor. Uh and she tells him about Emily, this neighbor who warned her. And he's like, nobody lives in that house that you say Emily lives in. And like kind of implies that Emily's not real. Mm-hmm. So Les is getting curious and she has this other friend of hers, Martin, investigate the hotel blueprints at a library. I think this dude's a librarian or something. He goes up on this ladder to find the blueprints. And apparently on the blueprints, he sees that there's a large gap in the center of the building. Oh, is that what he I, saw? I guess so. I didn't really register what he saw. Yeah, I'm not an architect. I couldn't tell. Yeah. So he falls off the ladder by some kind of wizardry that occurs when he looks at the blueprints. And then a bunch of tarantulas come out of nowhere and attack him and, like, bite his face for about half an hour. <laughs> and this is a pretty brutal scene. Yeah, yeah. It's brutal. They're, like, <laughs> lifting up his eyelids with their teeth and stuff. They're getting into, like, his tongue. They're biting his tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I remember the sound of them biting his tongue. Oh, man. Yeah, this this went on for like five, ten minutes. Yeah, it went on a long time. Yeah, you know, this scene and the one with uh, Jill in the morgue where the acid's coming down and she's getting trapped, these scenes are like really long, like drawn-out scenes where that music is playing, that kind of slow jazz, and then you're just kind of watching these things happen really slowly. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a... I don't know, like a montage or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we talked about how in the terrifier that they didn't shy away from the gory scenes and they like actually showed them, but these like really, yeah, they like make an art out of them. Like make yeah a little show out of a mini movie out of this scene. Exactly. Yeah. They really go in. It's like, like the most random things you wouldn't expect to happen. Like a tarantula going into the mouth or, uh, now it's like, yeah, biting its eyeballs out or something. It's, just uh, yeah, and and he's like alive, right? But paralyzed. Yeah, apparently the fall paralyzed him. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's. It, pretty... I think it did look pretty good, though. The scene, I will say that it did. I I think some of the tarantulas were real, right? Yeah, they were. 
yeah that's that, that must have been nuts to shoot yeah uh okay so somewhere along the way those weirdos that help liza at the hotel arthur and martha are killed by ghouls in the house too um martha finds joe the plumber's reanimated corpse and he pushes her he pushes the back of her head into the head of a nail that's protruding from the wall and it gouges out her eye from behind (laughs) yeah (laughs) no eyes are safe in this yeah which is a uh, reverse of the of a notorious scene in zombie oh it happened you said a reverse of it yeah like there's a scene in that where a zombie moves someone's head towards a sharp the sharp end of a nail from the front mm, interesting it hits their eye gouges out their eye wow so we are slowly reaching the uh the climax here and we get a scene where the corpses of basically everybody who's died so far in the hotel appear to Emily, the blind lady. She can sense their presence and six the dog on them. And you get a kind of a weird scene of the dog actually fighting off these like demonic ghouls or zombies or whatever. Yeah. Attacking them. Yeah. Which was a little hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it seems the dog presumably scares them off. And she's like, oh, good boy. But then the dog turns on her and like rips her throat out and bites her ear off. Yeah. In another super gory scene. Yeah. Well, so this is where I was confused because she's not, uh, she's not, she's supposed to be like not really there. She's supposed to be like a ghost, right? It's unclear. And because I think she says to the, the ghouls as they appear to her, like, no, I don't want to go back. Yeah. And, like, she's the same age she was from the beginning, so I kind of thought, like, maybe she somehow got sucked into hell and, like, came back. Yeah. I don't know. I I think you're right, yeah. Somehow, uh, something happened to her, because in the beginning, uh, you see her in, like, the 1920s, and she's okay, and then you're seeing her now, but, like, the doctor says she doesn't actually live there anymore, or, or, like, there is no one who lives there, and he goes to that house, and it's, like, all abandoned, right? But apparently she, she's still there. Yeah, and they, like, tried to make clear that her footsteps didn't make any noise. Right. But, like, apparently her throat can still be bitten out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that doesn't make so sense. So, again, doesn't quite make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So, let... Well, I mean... Go ahead. I, I mean, like, one of the things that are going on here, um, and it, it's I didn't really understand this until I, I read about it, but, like, in a way, uh, Liza opening up the hotel is opening up, like, the gates of hell again. And so, um, maybe now like they're coming now that the gates of hell are opening up again, like these ghouls are kind of coming back for her. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Maybe. (laughs) With all the things I know about opening gates to hell. (laughs) Yeah. That's usually how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. So back at the hotel, weird stuff continues to happen and Liza and John get sufficiently freaked out that they flee the hotel. I can't remember exactly why I think like blood starts dripping from the walls or something i think so yeah right and the as they flee the hotel i really love the shot we get of the hotel and from outside and like all these different windows light up and we see silhouettes in the windows yeah that was pretty cool like it could have been cheesy but it was it was pretty creepy yeah yeah that was really cool because like they're it's running away like from a, this like abandoned house and suddenly like in the background you see all these people at the doing in the windows yeah yeah it was cool kind of yeah. like that scene in home alone <laughs> when he's tricking the robbers yeah yeah <laughs> yep. uh okay so they flee to the hospital for some reason 
and the hospital randomly gets overrun with basically zombies. Mm-hmm. And this like flips the switch into it becomes a zombie movie. Yeah. But and I apparently read that the um, distributors really wanted like a zombie rampage scene after the success of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, <laughs> AKA zombie yeah. part one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, this kind of came out of nowhere. And these these were some of like the slowest moving zombies I've ever seen on uh, in a movie or on TV. They were even dumber than the average zombie. Yeah, and way slower. Like they barely moved. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of like this scene, even though I didn't totally know why there were zombies everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just kind of random. Let's just throw in some yeah. zombies here. Um, and so anyway, John's got a gun. He's shooting like infinite bullets at these zombies and they end up finding Jill, the Joe, the plumber's daughter from earlier who went blind and they're like running around with her trying to save her and kill these zombies. And Jill eventually turns on them and tries to kill Liza. So John shoots her in the head and her head completely explodes. And this is my, I really loved this ending. So they're cornered by these zombies, they're trying to escape, and they find a staircase that presumably goes down to a lower level. And they go down to the lower level, and it turns out to be the basement of the hotel. So it gets kind of tri- trippy, and they're like, mm-hmm. uh, what the hell? Like, we're at the hotel. How did we get here? Right. And then they, they like, move forward through the basement, and they end up in the painting. They're in this, like, bleak desert setting with these dead bodies, like, buried in the sand. And they're running and they just keep ending up like where they started. And then you see their eyes go blind like Emily's. Mm -hmm. And a voice says, and you will face the sea of darkness and all therein that may be explored. And then it ends. So you assume that they ended up in hell. Yeah. That that was a really cool ending. It was like a really great twist. And it kind of like made the end pretty trippy. Because like, did they ever leave the hotel? Like, how are they still... How they get back in the hotel from the hospital? Yeah, yeah. How much? How much of it was imagined, kind of? Right. And then, and then, yeah. That, that that final scene where they just like they're looking in every direction and it all looks the same. It's like they've ended in hell. Yeah, that really, for all the faults to this movie, the ending really brought it home for me. I just yeah, I, I really liked that. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta agree. Like the, the movie was kind of all over the place, but the the ending uh, sequence and like the 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 meaning was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. So what do you think? I know we've talked about a lot of the ups and downs, but anything to add to that? No, I mean, I, I think you captured it. There, there were just so many, like, like there were so many characters, like, who didn't really have storylines and so many scenes and, and dialogues that really had no relevance. And, and I don't know if the movie was supposed to be, like, strung together well and, and coherent or if it's just, like, a series of uh, slow death scenes and, you know, how, how many eyes could they get in, in you know, an hour and a half? Um but then, like, kind of, yeah, a cool ending there. Um, I, I'm, so how, how do you interpret the ending? Like, was it, like, the whole world had been taken over by uh, hell, or was it just these two were kind of stuck in it? You know, I kind of thought it was maybe just these two. Mm-hmm. But I'm not totally sure, because, like, the gateway to hell had been open before, and the entire town didn't go to hell. Yeah, because like when they're driving from the house to the hospital, like they they remark, "Oh, there's no one on the streets." They get to the hospital, it's dead, and then they run all those zombies. So yeah, either it's just them two, and it's in their head, or maybe maybe the whole town or world had gone that way. Yeah, gosh, I don't know. Yeah, I like the open ended endedness of it. 
Yeah, and I wonder how it plays into the, the, the movie after this. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if these are really... I think these are just thematically related. I don't think the plot is a continuation at oh, all. Oh, no kidding. Okay. So we don't get closure on that. I think, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what about you? What, what did you like or didn't like about it? Yeah, so I started out kind of disliking it, like at that moment that we mentioned earlier where you kind of realize what kind of movie you're getting into with like the bad dubbing and bad acting and choppy editing. Mm-hmm. But like even if the ins and outs of the story were kind of confusing or didn't make sense, I really liked the core of the story. Like I liked the concept. Yeah. Uh, I love the trippiness of the ending and I like the idea that hell's just kind of this like, even though a lot of people died really gorily, like... Mm-hmm. I like the idea of hell just being this like bad dream, like at the end where they're just running and ending up where they started off. Yeah, right. Yeah, that that the, um, the part it was really cool. Yeah, and it managed to have like, it wasn't like hyper stylized like some other Italian horror like Suspiria, but it had a certain atmosphere to it that that I really liked. Yeah, yeah, kind of the pacing and everything. It kind of kept you engaged the whole time. Um, I, yeah. I heard one critic kind of refer to it like it kind of feels like uh, someone's like a feverish dream like the whole thing uh, yeah it's kind of scattered and stuff but it, it kind of has a sense of like urgency or like randomness uh, where, where like something's always kind of around the corner or something you, you never know kind of what's going to happen next which I, I yeah I, I feel like the like lack of attention to narrative detail kind of works in its favor yeah it adds the lunacy about it yeah yeah I, I could see that so what do you think, man? Zero out of five, from zero to five disassembled faces. Oh, man. How many do you give it? <laughs> and how many dis- uh, disassembled faces were in this? There were nine? Yeah, nine. Like, oh, man. That seems like way too many for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. This one's so tough because I hated so much about it. Uh, but then, like, you're right. Like, conceptually, it was cool. It was a, a great movie about, like, a haunted uh, hotel that was the gateway to hell and, like, this this journey. Uh, I, I think I got to give it... I can't give it more than a three, I think. I have to give it with three uh, disassembled faces. What, what about okay. you? You know, I initially wrote down four, and I was tempted to dial it back to a 3.5. <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with a four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's surprising because you don't, you don't even, uh, you, I, I don't think you like gore uh, too often. No, I like kind of over the top gore that isn't as like mean spirited. Like <laughs> this just kind of felt like, let's see how much fun we can have making practical effects. Yeah. This one was a little more artistic. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think in reality, this could be a 3.5 for me, but I'm sticking with four. I, I like our average yeah. at 3.5. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think that the, the scene that's always, I'm always going to remember is probably the tarantula scene. I, I feel like that's that was kind of a, a standout from this one. That's one thing I will say for this movie, like whether you like it or dislike it, it's, it's hard to forget some of these scenes. Yeah, yeah, that's a, something about it for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else on this? No, no, fun Before pick. Before we wrap I'm, it up. I'm, I'm glad we, we got it under our belts. Cool. Well, before I read our little goodbye script, uh, listeners, let us know what you think about these movies. We're getting a little bit of response on Twitter and Facebook, but we'd love to hear more from you. We'd love for you to email us. And if you give us like a sentence or two snippet of a movie, how you felt about a movie, even if it's one we did at the very start of this podcast, maybe we'll uh, read it on air or something. 
Yeah. So yeah, I think it'll also engage with us. Yeah, it it would help uh, to know between Brian and I which one of us are mostly correct on these. I have a feeling I know the answer, but (laughs) (laughs) and like if if you have feedback on what we could do better, we we want we live to please you. Not you, Asha, but the listeners. You don't like to please me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. All right. If Tusk pleases you, I don't want to please you. (laughs) So. Like I said, follow Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook. Let us know what you think of these movies. We're on Twitter, too, at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter, or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We paid extra for that email address, so you should use it. And check Facebook or Twitter to see what movie we're going to do next. So you, if you want to watch it beforehand, you can. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if a blind person gives you advice, do what you've learned from every movie ever featuring a blind person and heed the advice. Otherwise, pretty much everyone you know will have their face taken apart. (laughs) 